There's an interesting phrase in the New Testament, and it talks about uh, this, this phrase, uh, the one another's, and it talks about how the church, God has called it to be a community. And a lot of times our paradigm, our, our thought when we think about church, we think about coming, it's a, something that you do on a Sunday. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a place to where you gather. It's a place where you'll come and sing some songs. You'll hear someone uh, preach a sermon, teach on something. Uh, you'll give something, and you leave. And basically, you had church. But when you look at the New Testament model of church, and certainly that is a, a, a element of what church is about, there's a whole lot more uh, than what church really is about. And I want you to write these phrases down. Uh, and and, and the, the phrase is called one another. And whenever you see the phrase one another, it's talking about church. It's talking about God's community. It's talking about his sons and daughters and brothers and sisters. And, uh, and he uses this phrase uh, in the Bible. And we start, talked about it about five weeks ago. It says, we're to love one another. It was week one. That, that was, that's a mandate that God has called us to do. The second week, we talked about that we're to encourage one another. The third week, we talked about where we are to comfort one another. Last week, we talked about the message that we are to welcome one another, which is, which is about hospitality and, uh, and how that happens. And this week, we're going to be looking at the message of serving one another. So when you look at that, the, the one another's, it is impossible to do the one another's unless it's in the context of relationships. And you can't have relationships within the body unless there's something that's done intentionally that says, I want to get to know you. I want to invest my life into your life. I, I want to be able to encourage you. I want to be able to love on you. I want to be able to come. Because there's going to come moments in your life, there's no question about it, where you're going to need to be comforted. And there's going to be some dark moments. And, and, and you're crying out to the Lord and, and, and wondering, why is this happening to me? And God has brought a group of people around to you to where they can see you through those dark valleys. And today we're going to be looking about the concept of serving one another. Say that with me, serving one another. Now, how many of you remember the good old days back uh, when uh, some of you weren't even born around this time, but there's a number, I'm looking at the number of people are in there. How many of you remember the good old days when they had full service gas stations, okay? How many remember those, okay? For those who, I mean, for those who are younger, full service gas stations were absolutely cool. I mean, you would, you, would, uh, you would pull up there into the gas station, and basically because of the cars and the model, you had to wind your window down, and a person would come to your, come to your window, to the driver's window, how may I help you today? And you would go ahead, and you would tell them, could you go ahead and put, you know, $5 worth of gas in? And basically, $5 of gas could almost fill up the gas tank. Gas was going 30 cents. I remember as a kid, it was 30 cents a gallon, okay? Remember those good old days? How many want those? Okay. Uh, and uh, so they would be willing to go ahead, 
they, they put gas there in your tank and, uh, and, and they wouldn't even ask. They'd look at your windshield and if it was dirty, they would go ahead, put the, the, the wand on there and they would clean your windows. And, uh, and you can ask them, you know what, my, my oil is a little bit, can you check my oil? And so they lift up the hood right there, pull out the dipstick and say, yeah, you're about a, about a half a quart low. They put some oil there. Hey, my, my right front tire needs a little bit of air in there. Can you take care of that? And uh, I mean, they would do the, the whole service. And it was really, especially if you lived up north and it was winter time. How many remember that? You were thankful for those people, man. They, they, were, they were putting, uh, putting the gas in, and I mean, it was all full service. And basically, the choice of the gas station back at those times, it wasn't, uh, you know, just what was the price of gas. It was really based upon the service. I mean, did they not only just do it, but they do it with a smile? Did they have an attitude that that they cared about you? Because a lot of people made their decision of whether they were going to go to that gas station, not only because of the services, but the spirit behind it. How many remember that? that, Those those were good days. I want to say something to all of us here in this room. Now that we have self-service gas stations and, and are paying buco bucks for gas, okay, God is looking for full service churches and full-service Christians. He's looking for the church to have that kind of mindset that when people come into this place who don't know God and don't have a relationship with God, that we're willing to go ahead and minister to them, and not only to minister to them, but also to minister to one another. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. Let me take you to, to our last one another that we're going to be preaching on. Through love, make it your habit to serve one another. The question is, uh, am I in a position and uh, how I do church? Do I have relationships with my brothers and sisters here okay, where I can go ahead and serve them in a capacity that will help them? Now, I want you to also look here. I want to look at the definition and kind of give you a, a definition, a framework. What is servanthood? What is biblical servanthood? I want you to write this on your notes. We're going to, re, we're going to refer to it a couple of times. It's the willingness to humble oneself and to act for the benefit of people's good in the name of Christ. I'm going to keep that there again. It's the willingness. It's the smile. You don't have to be poked and prodded, guilted into it. But it's a willingness. Man, I want to do this. And I want to do it humbly, okay? And act for the benefit of people's good in the name of Christ. So we're not only looking at the act, but we're looking behind the motivation of the act that God is wanting to raise up servants that are not just doing it, okay, so they'll get a pat on the back and that a boy, that a girl, you know. uh, No, we're doing it so that we can help out people, whether it's God's people or people who don't know God, and, and we want to help meet a need. And any of the praise that comes in, any of the thanks come, we appreciate it, and that's great, but we ultimately, we want to deflect it back to the Lord's. We want to give honor and praise to God. So I want to take you here this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 13. We're going to look at the demonstration the physical demonstration of servanthood. And, and by who? Our master himself, Jesus Christ. When he says here in John chapter 13, records 
the physical demonstration and definition of, of servanthood. And it says here, it was just before the Passover feast. Now, I want to kind of give you a little bit of a background. Jesus is in the upper room. He's with his disciples, 12 of them. He's just about to, to go to trial and, and, and go to the cross. And in, in John chapter 13 through 17, Jesus is going to take some time and he's going to be teaching some things. He wants to impart some very important lessons and truths before he goes the way of, of suffering and, and, and he rises from the dead again. He wants to get some things across. And Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. Didn't tell them, but showed them. The evening meal was in progress. The devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing. He had another layer of clothing underneath. Took off his outer clothing, and he wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now remember this. Servanthood is a humble attitude followed by an action that wants to better the condition of another person. And we do it to bring glory and honor to the name of Christ. Now, the question is, I'm going to want you, when we look at this story, this is what God is after. We're going to see this here in just a few moments. This is, what, this is what Jesus did, and we are to become like him, okay? The question is, why does God want us to do this, okay? Why does God want us to wash feet? Now, I know some of you are very uncomfortable with the thought, are you kidding? I'm supposed to wash feet? I don't want to do that. We're going to talk about that here in just a few moments. But I want, to, I want to talk about, first of all, the reason why God wants us to be servants, okay? And, and, and here's, here's, write this thought down. God wants you to be a servant and wants you to do this so it will make God look good. God wants to use your life to make him look good. I'm going to talk about that why here in just a few moments, okay? In fact, let me give you an else. I'm going to give you two illustrations, one for the, for the ladies in here, uh, and I'm going to give one for the men in here, for the ladies, for, for those who have been married or have been in a marriage ceremony. I've been in a lot of weddings, officiated a number of them, and for the bridesmaids, okay? The purpose of the bridesmaid, okay, it, it, it's not about you being... Uh, uh, the show. You're, you're there to attend to the bride. Uh, you get there early before the wedding ceremony. You are helping her to get dressed, the, the bride. You are making sure that she's looking good and everything's going well. And that takes, that takes hours, okay, especially depending how formal it may be. Okay? I don't know why it takes hours, but it takes hours. And, uh, and all of a sudden, I mean, and there's been a number of weddings here, all of a sudden, they're at that, I can't tell, a lot of ladies have come through, brides come through that door and walk down the aisle, okay? And, 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 and what happens? The crowd stands to its feet. And, uh, 
and there's the maid of honor, and there's the ladies, and they're looking good. They're looking good. But the one that they really want to look good is the bride. They want to show her off, make that day very special. Amen? Okay, now let me talk to you, to the guys here. I mean, they exist for that purpose. Uh, Today, there's going to be some football games. Now, how many guys are just curious? How many people are going to be watching? I'm just curious. Be watching a football game today. Just curious. Okay, about 30%. Wow. Okay. All right, let me, let me speak to the 30% of the crowd that is here this morning. We had a lot of people in the first service. Uh, the, the people that get the adulation, the accolades, okay, uh, that make the really big money are the running backs, especially the quarterback. The quarterback makes the most money, okay? And the, the determination, one of the factors behind, uh, you know this, that makes a quarterback really look good, it's the offensive line, okay? They make the, the running backs and the quarterback really look good. They open up the holes so that they can run for yards. The offensive linemen, they keep the quarterback upright so he can go ahead and throw the ball to the receivers, okay? If he doesn't have time and he's getting sacked behind the line, okay, I mean, it's going to be a tough day. But you know what? You, we don't know the names of the offensive linemen, but it's the offensive linemen that makes the quarterback look good, okay? And helps them to be able to make the money that they make, okay? So that, I, wanna, I want us to get into a framework, okay? We have a master, we have a savior. God wants us to make him look good. And here's the reason why. Matthew chapter five, verse 16. Look at this, I'm gonna read it to you from two different versions. In the same way, you should be a light for other people. Live so that they will see the good things you do. Live so that they will praise your Father in heaven. Now it's talking there about doing good deeds, doing wonderful things. Live a life that, that those good deeds will ultimately bring glory and honor to God. The message translation puts it this way. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. This is to God's people. Shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives by opening up to others. You'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. So here's what happens when we serve God's people, when we serve one another, and when we serve people who don't necessarily know the Lord, don't go to church, really have anything to do with God or have questions, they're, they're out. They're not in God's family, but when we serve them, especially when we serve them, and we do it to help them, they have a need in their life. We don't know what it is. And, and yet we say, man, they need the Lord. One of the best ways that we can bring people to Christ, listen to this, is through service. And when we serve them and, and, and we do it onto the, first of all, onto the Lord and we want to really help them up, it sets us up to go ahead. It brings the validity to the message of what we want to be able to say to them. Preaching is very important. I'm a preacher. I mean, I love to tell people about Jesus. I'm gifted in an area that's probably my best gift is preaching the gospel when I'm not here, but I'm out there on the streets. I mean, it, it, I, I flow. I mean, it comes very naturally for me, but probably the most effective way to bring someone to Christ is by serving them. Do you know that, that Muslims, 
okay? Uh, in, 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 in nations, and if you're a Christian, whatever, and just depending where they're at, if you are just willing to go ahead and invite them over to your house and break bread with them and just say, hey, we want, you know, and feed them well, we just want to hang out with you and, and, and serve you, it's, it breaks down the barriers and, and it gives great authority and weight to what you want to be able to preach to them and share with them. People will listen, people will consider, and eventually surrender and worship the Lord. So full-service Christians, here's, here's their heart, here's their desire. They want to make God look good because when they make God look good through their actions, they know that they can lead people to Jesus. So good servants make great evangelists. And here's what Jesus has to say about that. Here, let's go down to verse 12, John chapter 13. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? I want you to underline that question in your Bible. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Jesus recognized who he was. Yeah, I'm the Lord. You got it right. You, 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 you totally, you got it right. He says, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Let's look at question number one. Why was Jesus washing feet? You got to understand back at that culture and at that time, they didn't have paved roads, but roads were dusty and there were a lot of animals on those roads and they did things on those roads. People walked in sandals, okay? Their feet, the top of their feet were not covered. So you could go ahead and take a bath and walk from one place to another and have major dirty feet. So you walked into someone's house or in your own house, man, my feet are all dirty, okay? Who's going to take care of that? Well, guess who took care of the feet? It was the servants or the slaves. In fact, if depending on your wealth and where you were at financially, if you had servants or slaves in your home, it was that job of washing the feet was, was reserved for the person who was lowest on the totem pole of seniority, okay? And they hadn't been there that long and say, you're it, okay? You're new. You're going to be the one that washes feet, okay? So that was reserved for the lowest one on the totem pole. Here we see Jesus doing the work of a servant, okay, on the very lowest level and serving people. Now, he asked this question, and he's looking at his disciples, and they're wondering, what in the world is going on? And he says, do you understand what I've just done for you? Do you understand what I, I, I've done for you? And, and I want you to ask this question here this morning. Do you understand what God has done for you? Do you understand what Jesus has done for you? You see, full-service Christians can really answer that question. In fact, not only do they know the answer to that question, they become full-service Christians because they totally understand this question, okay? Here's, here's it's kind of the example. I, wanna, I, I came across this story, and it was about this guy, this kid, he was 15 years old, been starting to do some chores around the house. And so uh, 
but he needs some money. He wants some money from his mom, and so he, he puts a note there on the kitchen table, and, and uh, $2 for cutting the grass, uh, $2 for taking out the trash, $2 for cleaning my room, okay? $2 for doing the dishes, and $2 for vacuuming. You owe me $10. Well, the mom got the notes, opened it up, and interesting, so she decides to write a note and to give to him a list as well. And she says this, carrying you nine months with morning sickness, no charge, okay? Cooking breakfast, lunch, and dinner, no charge. Washing your clothes, no charge. Oh, by the way, I forgot. Changing your diapers for three years, no charge. Working overtime to help pay for your shoes, no charge. Total, zero dollars. Here is your $10. He saw the note, looked at the notes, and he put the $10 back into the note, and he says, thank you so much, Mom. There's a great song that we were singing this morning. I wrote down the lyrics, and it says, thank you for the way that you loved me. Now I get to love you in return. You see, service unto our Lord is not an obligation. It's not something that I have to do. It's something I want to do because I love Jesus because of what he's done for me. I can't pay him back, but I can certainly love him. I ask you this question. What was your response when you understood the mercy and grace that God bestowed upon you? How did your life change? Did it have an effect in how you began to live out your life? Did you begin to serve people in a different way? He said this, you call me teacher and Lord, verse 13, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. You're thinking about this. Pastor, would you please get to this? Is this what I'm really supposed to do? I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent me. I want you to look at this phrase. I'm going to answer that question. To wash one another's feet back at that time and that culture met a very specific need. I've, I've heard and seen in up until this, till this day, there are churches that have foot washing services or ceremonies where people will take off their shoes and their socks and wash feet. Is that what God is calling? I don't believe that the Lord is being literal here, right here. But I believe that he's speaking a message, okay? And he's saying to the disciples because uh, he's saying, listen, I'm not calling you guys to be celebrities. I'm calling you guys to be servants, okay? And, and these guys were looking for power. The disciples, even though they were with Jesus for three years, they were wanting power. They were wanting position. They were wanting prestige and possessions. And Jesus says, I want you to become like me. And, 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 I was, and as I was meditating on this passage, and I was saying, Jesus, why did you bring this 
to the disciples at this, in, in, in one of your last messages, and he remembers, he goes back to something. There was an incident that happened on the road. The 12 disciples, they're walking down the road, and they got into a great big argument, and, they're, and, and they say, who's, who's the greatest among us? And they're kind of, they're, and it was the stupidest argument. And, and, and Jesus didn't hear it physically, and Jesus asked them a question. He says, hey, guys, what were you guys discussing there on the road? And it was silence. They were totally embarrassed because what they were talking about was totally silly. They'd been arguing which of them was the greatest. And Jesus says, you know what? The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So here in the upper room, he shares his last words and thoughts. He wants them to get it before he goes to the cross. Serve one another. They wanted to be celebrities, but Jesus wanted serveness. Write this thought down. Please write this down. Greatness in life and greatness in God's kingdom comes through service. It is so counterculture to, our, to what, what we hear about in our, in our country, in our culture. I mean, greatness comes through making great plays, making a great amount of money, being a great singer, a great actor, and all those things, and, and uh, having the greatest car and the greatest clothes, the greatest body, whatever. Jesus says greatness comes through being a great servant. I have a couple questions and statements concerning servanthood. Here's, here's question number one. Write this down. Am I practicing servanthood? That's the question I want to look at here this morning. Am I practicing servanthood? There's three areas of influence. I call them spheres of influence that God calls us to be servants, okay? Number one, okay, I want you to see this. It happens in the home. God has called you and I to be servants, okay, in our homes. To my brother and sister, to that brother that annoys the heck out of me, okay? God has called me to be a servant to him, Okay, to, to my mom and dad, uh, uh, God, they, they don't treat me really that nice, but God's called me to be a servant to, them. to, my, to my husband and to my wife. God's called me to serve her, okay? That, that, that's, where, that's the beginning point. In fact, I believe that's probably the hardest place to really demonstrate servanthood. The reason why is because we know them. And they know us and because we know their faults and what they've done to us, whatever. And they say, no, they don't deserve it. Okay, so then we go ahead and we come to the place called the church, this place. We've already heard the word serve one another. There's opportunities to where we can serve one another. Where, where can we do that? Where's the avenue? One of the avenues is through what we call our life groups. We meet during different, for those who are new in our church, we have life groups that meet in homes, okay, that gather together around varied interests, different days, different times, or whatever, to where we can go ahead and begin to develop relationships, get to know one another, so we can actually pray for one another, encourage one another, those kinds of things. And then the community. God has called Calvary Church and us as individuals to be involved in the community. And the question I need to ask is, is my life being leveraged in a way that I'm serving my home, I'm serving the people in my home, I'm serving the people in the church, and I'm serving the people in the community? That's where, that's where God wants us to have an influence. The question is, why is it 
that myself, that, that I still struggle to this day after 38 years of being a Christian, okay, a follower of Christ, why is it that I still struggle in the area of servanthood? Why is it I struggle with, with God's people? Why is it I struggle in the area of community? I want you to look at it. I want you to see this illustration. Why we, here in this room, we struggle with, with this. It's called self. Okay, the self, okay, is on the throne, okay? Self represents our desires. It represents our life, okay? And, and self, okay, wants to be in charge, wants to call the shots, wants the glory, wants the honor. But write this down, self is lazy, okay? Isn't it lazy? Self also serves self first, and self does it for self-promotion and not necessary to meet people's need. And, and if they don't get any recognition out of it, no one's going to see, no thanks. So the question is, how does self get dethroned? It's through service. And every single day, we, we, can, we have to make a decision of what, who am I going to follow and, and, and who am I going to serve? Am I going to serve my own interest or am I going to serve uh, the people that God has around me? The best way to get rid uh, of self is through service. Self, especially if you just come to know the Lord and, and you lived a selfish life, you, the Bible says make it a habit of serving one another three reasons why to serve. Real quickly, I'm going to go through these, and then we're going to take communion. I want to give you the motivation here today. Number one, number one, service, okay? <laughs> why serve? We're never more like Jesus than when we serve. And I pray it's your desire. If you're a new Christian, understand one of the things that God wants to do in your life, okay? Yeah, he wants to bring joy. He wants to bring peace. He wants to bring freedom. He wants to bring deliverance. He wants to do all those things. But check this out. He really wants to make you like Jesus. And you and I are never more like Jesus as when we are serving. Matthew 20, 28. Look at this statement from Jesus. For even the Son of Man He's God in the flesh, came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for, my, for many. So am I giving my life to help people? We're never more like Jesus than when we're serving. Number two, it's a clear sign that you are a follower of Christ. Can I just tell you this? You better be a follower of Christ if you want to get to heaven. Everybody interested in that one, right? Amen? Okay. And uh, who and what are you following? Jesus said here in verse 26, okay, of John chapter 12, okay, he's there in the upper room, and he says, if anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there where my servant be also. So make sure you are following the right person. You're following the right person in the right practice so you don't end up in the wrong place. I was reading a story about a professional violinist who was putting on a concert and, uh, and in this beautiful place, thousands of people right there, and it was just absolutely magnificent. I mean, at the end, and it, the, he was done, did this last note, and the people stood up, and they gave a standing ovation, and they're cheering, and they're roaring, and going crazy, and he bows there before them, and walks off the stage, and he's got tears coming down his face. And, and the stagehand behind it, and he says, what's wrong? 
He says, he says there's thousands of people, and it wasn't tears of joy. He says, there's thousands of people out there that are cheering for you right now. I mean, it was awesome. He says, do you see that person that's right there in the middle of the auditorium? He says, go take a peek. He says, that person right there is my dad, and he's my teacher. And if he's not standing, it's not worth it. And folks, we're coming to the end of our life. Like it or not, how we lived our life. What did we live our life for? What were we following? What were we putting our energy to? God's going to, God someday, there, there, the Bible talks about there's going to be two judgment. The judgment seat of Christ and the great white throne judgment. And the great white throne judgment is for those, those are going to be the people who rejected God. Those are going to be the people that said, no, I don't want Jesus in my life. But, the, but the, the Bema seat of Christ, the judgment seat of Christ, those are going to be the people who accepted Christ as their Savior. But basically, they kind of lived a, a life of self. I mean, they wanted the forgiveness. They put their faith in Jesus, but they, they didn't want to make an impact. They didn't want to make a difference in their church, really didn't want to make a, a major difference in the world. And, and they're gonna, there's going to be a judgment. The Bible says they escape as, as like the fire, there was a fire going, and they just got out of the house just in time. I want to be able to, when I, when I meet Jesus, and when I come to, that, that the Lord stands up, and there's a clap, and he says, well done, my good and faithful son. You've loved me well, and you've loved people well. I want to be able to hear that. Do you? Am I there yet? Do I, do I fall? Do I fail? Absolutely. It's a clear sign that you and I are a follower of him if we really want to serve Jesus. And number three, make no mistake about this. You position yourself for present and future blessings. When you serve your sphere of influence, your family, your church, your community, when you serve the, what the Bible calls the least, the rejected, the forgotten, the unknowns, the people who can't do anything for you, the little kids in the nursery. When you serve them in Jesus' name, and they can't do anything. You're blessed now, and you will be super blessed in the future. He says here in verse 26, when he's coming to the, to the conclusion of this little message right here, he says, my Father will honor the one who serves me. He says, that's going to happen. When does it happen? It, I, I, I believe this absolutely. It can happen right now, and it's going to for sure happen in the future. We position ourselves to be blessed by God when we make a decision. In fact, servanthood is a decision. I want to make a couple more thoughts, and then we're going to pray and have communion. Servanthood isn't always easy. In fact, it isn't even natural for many of us. In fact, it will feel unnatural if it hasn't been a habit in your life. Many times, we don't feel like serving. And because we don't feel like serving, we don't serve. And I want to say to you, when you hear, when you hear, hear about opportunities like Harvest Night and you hear about uh, babies and, and being a part of our children's ministry or connected with youth or, or whatever opportunities, are, you say, well, I really don't feel like doing it. Don't let that be the barometer of whether you're going to serve or not serve because you're going to miss out on the blessing that God has for you in your life. Many times serving, I want you to write this down, it's hard. 
It's difficult. It's hard. It's inconvenient. And it costs. And that's the only reason why a lot of people say, well, I don't want to do it because it's hard. It's inconvenient, okay? And it's difficult. But it is worth it in the end, especially for the server. I was reading a story by Ted Engstrom in his book, The Pursuit of Excellence, and he wrote this. He says, I was cleaning out a desk drawer when I found a flashlight I hadn't used in over a year. I flipped the switch but, was, but wasn't surprised when it gave no light. I unscrewed it and shook it to get the batteries out, but they wouldn't budge. Finally, after some effort, they came loose. What a mess. Battery acid had corroded the entire inside of the flashlight. The batteries were new when I put them in, and I'd stored them in a safe, warm place. But there was one problem. Those batteries weren't made to be warm and comfortable. They were designed to be turned on, to be used. It's the same with us. We weren't created to be warm and safe and comfortable. You and I were made to be turned on, to put our love to work, to apply our patience in difficult, trying situations. Quote, to let our light shine. Amen. Ted Engstrom says it well. God, there's going to be, we're called to serve, and it will hurt. It will be, it will cost us but it will be worth it in the end. I remember 1976 for two reasons. 1976, for those who were around at that time, was the year when America turned 200 years old. Remember all the, all, all, all the celebrations that went on? But also that was the year, uh, of the, what I called the year of the squats, uh, of getting my legs stronger and bigger. It was my junior year in high school, and uh, I, had a, I had a window, I had an opening to go ahead. I was training for football for my senior year, and I knew if I wanted to go to the next level and, 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 and put myself in a position of possibly a scholarship and really making some plays, I mean, I had to train, and I had to train hard. So I was lift, and I was in this little cubicle. I mean, it was just this little place of, of a gym, and, and, and it was squats. And for, if, if anybody knows... To the people that are here that know about weightlifting and working out, okay, you can tell, you, you see people that can have a huge upper body, and then they got bird legs, okay? And uh, they weren't willing to go ahead and do the difficult work because there's something about squatting, okay? You put, you put a bar there on, on your shoulders, okay? And the key to getting a, a, a big legs, okay, is, is a couple things. One is you, gotta, you go lower, okay? And then you kind of come back up. The second thing is, I mean, you push yourself until, I mean, you cannot do anymore. And I remember doing squats there in that little room with my best friend, Jeff. And there were times, I mean, I mean, I worked out my upper body, worked other stuff out, and you could feel it. You were burned. You could feel the pain, whatever. But it was nothing to what the lactic acid that was burning in your thighs, okay? I mean, there were times I would be literally just shaking. I'd be going... Oh, you know, and, but I want to tell you, my legs were like, I mean, after about three or four months, were like tree trunks, and uh, they, were, they were huge, I mean, compared to where they are at right now, and, uh, and, he, and, and, but I, and I go to the gym, I see people in the gym, and uh, here's, here's, I, I see some, here's how they do a squat, they put that there on their shoulder, and they go, that's about it, man. You know, and their legs never 
never change, okay? They're the same year after year, okay? And here's what happens, okay? Churches and Christians, okay, so-called Christians, don't change because they're not willing to get low in the area of service. It's painful sometimes down there. But that's the place of growth. That's the place of change. That's where needs get met. God is glorified, and people come into his kingdom. The pain was all worth it in my junior year. Had a great senior year. There was things I was doing in my football career that I had never was able to do before because of the training and the, and the pain that we went through. No pain, no gain. 1 Peter 5, 5, you younger members must also submit to the elders. Indeed, all of you should defer to one another and wear the overall of humility in serving each other. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I don't know about you, but I need grace. Grace means God's favor. When we have that, we put ourselves in a position to be blessed. The people that get blessed are the servants. So the question, I have to ask the, myself this question every day. Do I, want to, do I want to be a servant to my wife and meet her needs? Do I want to be a servant to my kids and meet their needs? Do I want to be a, a, a servant to my brothers? Well, you're the pastor. You get paid to do this. Yeah, Okay. Do I, really, do, do, I really want to, do I want to really give of myself? Do I really want to give of myself to my community and to this world to make a difference? Well done, good and faithful servant. Those are the words we're going to hear or not hear. So what are we going to do with this today? What did the Holy Spirit speak to you about today? Yeah, practically. Let's, let's put some feet to this message. I say this unashamedly. Yeah, there's a need. Let's, serve, let, let's have 40 people signed up here today for the nursery and say, we've got to cover, Pastor. I'm serving, I'm serving the moms and dads here. Yeah, I know I've, I've done this, been there, done this before, served a nursery before. I'm willing to do it again. I'm getting rid of that worldly attitude. I'm not keeping score anymore. I've got breath in me. I've got enough strength. I'm going to do that. That's obviously one. When you see a need, and you can meet that need, even though it might cost you, it's worth it. Even though it might be painful, it's worth it. Even though it might be inconvenient, it's worth it, especially in the end. Well done, good and faithful servant. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, with your eyes closed, if the Holy Spirit spoke to you in here today concerning this message, I have my hands up, both of them, because I need grace and help. I fail. And you say, Pastor, I want to be a servant. I want, to, I want to help meet needs, and I want to do it in the name of Christ. I want to help people. But I especially, Lord, want to be able to hear those words. I didn't do it just so... I could receive a pat on the back, but Lord, I want your approval on my life. I want your favor. I want your blessing. 
serving is humility. Humility equals favor and blessing. So just raise your